This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. Great to have you with us for the Friday, finally Friday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Contrarian view of what's going on in the markets as they're rising today. Hard seltzer sales for that just kept climbing, but now it seems like Americans have been overloaded and they're stepping back. Major League Baseball's Cleveland franchise is changing its name. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, a new wave of COVID cases plus drama over the U.S. debt ceiling are causing concern about the momentum of the economic recovery. Let's talk about it with Diane Swank, chief economist at Grant Thornton here in Chicago. Uh, Diane, is there a concern that maybe the economic growth is slowing? Well, there's concern that we certainly have already peaked in our economic growth, and that does mean a slowdown from here. Then the issue is how much of a slowdown, and is it something that's worrisome? I am a lot of uncertainty. I have a lot of uncertainty and a lot of concerns about the Delta variant and the spread of it. And I think it's a little bit flippant to just say, well, there's regional outbreaks in certain parts of the country that won't do lockdowns, therefore it won't have damage. That's just not the case. We know that the Delta variant is showing an uptick in every state in the country, and our lower vaccination rates in the U.S. relative to other parts of the world is a bit of a problem, and it could further stoke concerns about people wanting to return to work. Unfortunately, those lowest-wage workers that have been hit hardest by both layoffs due to the pandemic, but also have suffered the worst in pain due to the the pandemic in terms of people lost in their lives and people suffering actual consequences of COVID also happen to overlap with many people who are still not vaccinated. And that makes it harder for them to return to work. And I think the other issue is this sort of issue on who is vaccinated and who isn't in offices. And as we go into indoor spaces, that's going to become a lot of question marks as we move into the next couple of weeks. And how do we deal with the Delta variant? And is there, I mean, when you have this big economic engine like the United States, it seems like any any sort of hiccup, it doesn't just rebound right away. So is this maybe some things that we're going to be feeling here over months and months, what's going on right now? Well, we certainly have the ability to overcome it, and that's the good news. The bad news is the ability to overcome it really means that we need to sort of get behind the same message in terms of vaccinations, masking, and keeping people safe while reopening the economy. And that's where we seem to lose people. We can't seem to get behind the same cause here. I think back to Y2K and that's dating me back when everyone feared the end of the world on December 31st, 1999, because computers were programmed not to deal with the date of 2000 in the computer programs. And we 
averted that problem and did leapfrog investments in technology to avert it because we knew the problem was there. Well, we know what variants mean for us. We know the problem is there and we can circumvent it, but we're not showing the same kind of unity that we did back then, even though in many ways the technological adoption we're seeing and investments in technology are accelerating at a pace that is unprecedented since the Y2K challenges. Thanks so much. Always appreciate your analysis. That's Diane Swank, chief economist at Grant Thornton here in Chicago. Just ahead, Cleveland's baseball team is getting a new name. Cleveland's Major League Baseball team changing its name, dropping the Indians in favor of the Guardians. Let's delve into the rebranding with Jason Kelly, bureau chief at Bloomberg. Uh, Jason, not not a big surprise, right? Because Cleveland, the Indians, they'd said for quite a while now that they were changing the name. It was just a matter of what it would be. That's exactly right. We knew this was coming. 1,200 names considered. That's a number uh, that's a, a bit eye-popping. 140 hours of interviews uh, with community leaders, fans, and whatnot. So now we got the Guardians starting next year. And as you say, you know, this was a matter of time. It's also part of clearly a larger movement. You know, next up, uh, the Washington football team. Right. Now, when it comes to, well, and that's going to be a tough one, too. When it comes to the Indians in Cleveland, uh, that rebranding, I mean, it's been more than 100 years. So th- this is really an undertaking here to not only change the name, but also to, to make it a part of that identity. Absolutely. And, you know, this is a storied franchise in, in many ways. A lot of history there, you know, as you have there in Chicago, as we have here in New York, and I grew up in Atlanta. We're all very attached to our baseball teams. There's so much history, and there's a lot of history with the, the Cleveland franchise. You know, when you think back to integration and, and everything that that franchise went through, and uh, it, but it, it clearly uh, was a matter of time, but it'll probably be good for business. They're going to sell a lot of merch as the kids say, you know, with new hats and, and new jerseys and, and all of that. And it'll take some getting used to, but the the broad sense is that it was the right time. Interesting when it comes to a, a sports team like this, that because some people compare this to, uh, you know, Coke or Pepsi changing the name or something like that. Uh, the difference is Cleveland has one baseball team. You know it's the Major League Baseball team. Not as difficult as going into a store shelf and going, wait, is, is this the soda I want or is it not? Right. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah, I don't think there you're going to see a lot of uh, people running away from the team again. This is this is a team that has a devoted following, and you know, people even if they don't love the name to start with, I, I think they'll certainly get used to it. And the, and they came out with a bang. You know, there's this cool video voiced by Tom Hanks that really tries to you know put it in the context of the city, in the context of the history of the place. You know, there's sort of this blue collar element that they're trying to evoke and you know even though i know they're in second place right now to to the uh to the white Sox, you know they're having a decent season along the way yeah i'll, I'll admit we kind of hope they stay in second place just, <laughs> just right. being honest right. uh, it seems like it helps if you're going to change the name of a franchise not not just to make it something uh, sort of vague with no connection to the community as you mentioned guardians it's something that resonates in cleveland the washington football team probably going to do something similar seems like that makes it easier for the fans to rally around around a name change. 
I think that's a great point. And, and certainly you want to have a sense of place. That's really important. You know, we all know as sports fans that you want to have the, the it's a very emotional connection that we have. You know, we spend a lot of time uh, on your show and, and here at Bloomberg talking about the business of sports and the economics around it. But there, there's a there's a cultural, there's a social, there's an emotional uh, fabric and connection that w- that we all have to these teams. And so it is important that, that you get it right. And uh, as you say, a lot of people will be looking at this, you know, hopefully as, as a good example. And, and they moved. And they moved relatively fast. We're going to have to wait until next year to see what Washington comes up with. Yeah, thanks so much. Really appreciate all the insight. Jason Kelly, he is bureau chief at Bloomberg in New York. Just ahead, a struggling hard seltzer damaging the bottom line of an American beer maker. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A podcast of the Noon Business Hour, always available at WBBMnewsradio.com and the Odyssey app. Shares of Boston Beer Company take a hit because of disappointing sales on the beer market's truly brand of hard seltzer. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Gary Kaltbaum, president of Kaltbaum Capital Management. You can find him online at GaryK.com. So what's going on here, Gary? Why the struggle with truly with the hard seltzer? I must tell you, in all my years of managing money and talking about it, I've never had to say the words, blame it on hard seltzer. (laughs) Uh, But but it's as simple as this. There's just too many brands out there. Uh, There's Bud Light seltzer. There's Jose Cuervo seltzer. There's White Claw. Uh, I I can name 30 or 40 of them if I I had the time. And I just think it's a very, very tough market. They overestimated it. They ended up with too much inventory. Uh, they got got a probably lower prices to cover it, and that hurt earnings, and that hurt stock price, and uh, away we go. Yeah, I'm thinking you walk into a liquor store, and hard seltzer sort of took off. Everyone decided uh, that you know they needed to produce eight or nine of them. You know, it's almost paralysis with all of the choices, and so instead of just picking one, sounds like people are picking other products. That is correct, and you know it's funny. Out of nowhere, I uh, about a year ago, I see like a six foot tall display of White Claw, something I never heard about, and then I asked my sons about it. Oh yeah, it's the most popular brand now of whatever they they do, uh, and that's the case here. When you just have so many players in an area that's slowing down in growth, by the way. Uh, there's going to be trouble. And when you overdo it on production, that's doubly so. So here comes the write down, markdown, stock price down, and they'll have to adjust as they move going forward. What can investors do? Because, I mean, this is the sort of thing that you, you don't necessarily know it's going to happen until it happens, uh, you know, struggle with one particular product line. Yeah, there, there was no way of knowing except uh, Boston Bears stock has been very weak for the last uh, three or four months. Uh, but I can tell you, uh, you just to give you an idea, the stock was uh, $10 uh, back in the year 2000. It's still 700 today. So they're doing something right. And I gather they'll recover from this, but probably take a little bit of time. Uh, they know what they're doing. They're pretty good at adjusting to market conditions. Uh, they missed out on this one. I'm sure they'll do better going forward. Yeah, it sounds like that's a reason for investors, you know, when someone has a bad day, not to necessarily write off the stock, but really to, to look at the complete picture and look at the long term. Always. Uh, and especially with a company that's done the right thing, 
for such a long period of time. But if you get a company all of a sudden misstepping a few too many times, then you got to think twice and always reevaluate because you never know. New management can screw up. The, uh, the industry changes. Uh, and any number of things can happen. Thanks so much, Gary Kelpbaum. You can find him online at GaryK.com. And shares of Boston beer down $231 today. It's right about 25%, but it's still at $716 a share. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Olympic Games are officially open with a lower key than usual ceremony in Tokyo. The recovery operation has ended at a collapsed condominium building in Florida. It's Entrepreneur Friday. We learn what it's like to leave a corporate job in the food industry and go your own way. Stocks are higher on this final day of the trading week. We'll get a look at what lies ahead from a respected market contrarian. Right now, the Dow up 245 points. The NASDAQ is up 144, and the S&P is up 43. Oil is flat today. Sunshine and hot temperatures right now, 86 degrees. It's going to get a few degrees warmer before the afternoon is over. The opening ceremony for the Summer Olympic Games has happened in Japan. CBS's Steve Futterman is in Tokyo. The opening ceremony here lasted nearly four hours. There were a number of solemn moments, including a tribute to those who have died in the pandemic. Hundreds of athletes took part in the Parade of Nations, but it was far fewer than the usual number. There were, of course, no fans in the stands. At the end, the emperor declared the games open. Then tennis star Naomi Osaka lit the Olympic flame. 
Steve Futterman, CBS News, at the opening ceremony in Tokyo. Firefighters who responded to the collapse of a South Florida condominium last month have officially ended their search and rescue mission. The Miami-Dade Fire Department says its crews declared an end to their operation at noon today. That left the site in a convoy of official and emergency vehicles. The June 24th collapse killed at least 97 people, and at least one more person believed missing in the disaster has yet to be identified. Forensic experts are still working to close that case. A reminder, your new home for all the audio that matters to you is Odyssey. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, to listen to WBBM anytime. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets doing pretty well. The Dow up 240, NASDAQ up 142, and the S&P is up 43 points. Let's see what's going on. Art Hogan is here, Chief Market Strategist at National Securities in New York. Art, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? You know, it's interesting. We had three significant down days coming into the week, right? Thursday and Friday, the market was lower. First Friday that we've uh, seen a down day in a month in the first down week uh, that we saw in about two months. And, uh, and so that's how we set the table coming into this week. And we had the big sell-off on Monday over the heightened fears of this new Delta variant. And then we all of a sudden, the market has shifted gears here. So the last four days have been constructive. We, uh, we retraced all of Monday's losses, and we're back to where we were on Wednesday of last week. I think what's happening is investors are really paying attention to the earnings and the economic data um, and rationalizing that this Delta variant is going to be just that. It's going to be another flare-up, but we're not going back to the original pandemic lockdowns that really crippled the economy. So when we look at the housing data that came out this week, housing starts were better, and that certainly helps existing home sales uh, also better. So we'll get more data on new home sales next week. So that section of the economy seems to be doing very well. Next week is also the busiest of the week's in earnings and a lot of the household names in, in the you know, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, et cetera, are reporting. And right now, 80%, 87% of S&P 500 companies that are reporting are actually beating estimates. And those estimates were quite high to begin with. Coming into the, into the reporting period, we thought the S&P might have about a 60% earnings growth for the quarter on a year-over-year basis. Looks like it's going to be significantly higher than that and closer to 70%. So I think there's more good news than bad news this week. And I, I certainly think after having had three down days in a row in a, in a negative week. The markets are bouncing back nicely here. In general, what's behind that earnings growth, especially beating expectations? I think a lot of people would not have expected that with the rebound from the pandemic still underway. Yeah, still underway. But, you know, remember, the the growth that we're seeing is, is coming off a very low base. This will be the easiest of the year-over-year comparison quarters because – it was this quarter last year that was the worst of it, right? So that's one of the drivers. But the other is just our underestimating how much pent-up demand for goods and services is slowly working its way into the economy. And I think that, you know, companies like IBM beating and having the best report in about 10 quarters, um, companies across the board in the banking industry certainly doing much better as demand for their goods and services continue to increase. So a broad spectrum of sectors that is actually doing better in earnings. And, you know, oh, by the way, we generally see about 60% of companies beat on an average earnings. So, you know, we're, we're more conservative in terms of estimates to begin with, but clearly 87% of the companies beating is, is probably one of the most surprising earnings reporting seasons we've ever seen. And I'd likely think that means estimates for the rest of the year get higher, which actually means that the stock market, even though it's at an all-time high, is cheaper on a multiple basis. So I think it's all constructive. Next week will be more of the same, lots of economic data, but certainly the focus will be on earnings.
Talk about the concern over uncertainty with COVID. You're getting some communities going back to mask mandates. Talk about the concern. And also, what do you do as an investor when you don't know if there may be more shutdowns in the future? Yeah, that is the concern, right? So our, our well-toned muscle memory for what happens when there's case counts that are that are uh, where the seven-day case count is higher than the 14-day, which is the what we look at, and that certainly was the, the case last week. Um, you get concerned that there's going to be uh, some economic effect to that. Now, where I think we will see the largest economic effect is in the global economy. So the United States, both in vaccinations and, and hospitalizations, doing much better than a lot of the other developed countries around the world. And it's just a function of how much money we put into the system and, and how many vaccines we got out and continue to get out. And then to that point, one of the, the positives that's come out of this flare-up is vaccination rates are on the increase, right? So we moved from having an average of about 400,000 vaccines given a day to 650,000. And I, I'd like, I think that number continues to rise as people see that that 90-some-odd percent of people that are being hospitalized for this new variant have not been vaccinated. Yeah, and so, yeah, going forward, it's just a matter of being careful and watching things and trying to, I would imagine, look for stocks that are going to be good over the long run, even if there is some kind of another COVID pullback. Cisco, such a really good point. What we'd really like you to have is some balance in your portfolio. We think you need growth on one side of a barbell, and we want you to have economically sensitive cyclicals. We think the economic recovery is going to be elongated because of the slower global recovery. So we think economically sensitive cyclicals do well all the way into the end of 2022. So if you have that balanced portfolio with with growth on one side and cyclicality on the other and rebalance that every couple of months, you've actually outperformed the S&P 500 this year by 150 basis points, and you outperformed last year by about 400 basis points. I think that's the best way to navigate these markets right now. Thanks so much. Really good insight, Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist at National Securities in New York. Just ahead, Entrepreneur Friday, we meet a chef who's left the corporate world to run a boutique catering company. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It is Entrepreneur Friday on the Noon Business Hour. This afternoon, we're learning about the challenges of leaving corporate America to operate a boutique catering company. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Mila Furman, private chef and owner of Girl and the Kitchen here in Chicago. Mila, it's good to have you on the show. I mean, tell us sort of in thumbnail sketch, leaving the corporate job, leaving that world in order to, to, to sort of move out on your own. A lot of people dream about that, but you actually did it. Thank you for having me. I did do it. Um, I was never a corporate person. I kind of always been the girl that, you know, beat to my own, the drummer that beat to their own beat. And uh, one day, I remember January 1st, 2017, I was pregnant with my second and I was already food blogging at the time. And I told my husband, I think I want to be a full-time food blogger. And he said, go and do it. And he said, you're going to do it. You better give it 150%. And so that's what I did. I was blogging for six months. Um, until somebody had asked me to come private chef for them. I had already been doing some catering on my own. It wasn't really where I wanted to be. And to be quite frank with you, I didn't even want to be in private chefing either, but the opportunity laid itself in my lap, and it was too good to be true to uh, pass it up. So I took my first client May 1st, and by Memorial Day, roughly four weeks later, I had seven, and I was also six months pregnant. So I knew I had to, uh, you know, grow pretty quickly 
because eventually I'd have to have this baby. <laughs> well, and that's what's really interesting about entrepreneurs is they may start out on their own, but in order to be successful, you, you can't stay on your own. Yeah, that, that I think that's the biggest thing, and especially when you're kind of in an artistic field, which culinary certainly is, and, you know, there's 95,000 different ways to do something, and my way is the right way according to my standards. And so finding somebody or finding people in general who were um, – completely in tune with my politics for the business as well as my goals and you know the way that we do everything our vision was really really uh complicated and so it wasn't until i started hiring my first two people that i realized that you know i also wanted to only work with women and i wanted to empower and encourage and train and mentor women who had had a really bad experience in the culinary world as so many have had um, and so I kind of took that upon myself to make that as part of our vision that we are woman owned, woman operated, and we encourage women to have a positive experience in the culinary world rather than the negative one that we're all used to having. So give advice to the entrepreneurs who are listening here. Uh, obviously, you learn lessons along the way, things to do, things not to do. Uh, maybe what's one of them that you say, man, this is something that you really need to know if you're going to start out in really any area. Yeah, so my COO says this all the time, and it's very powerful, and it's the right people in the right places, right? And that has just absolutely changed the game for me. When you have people in the right places, it is so easy for you to grow because it's it's almost second nature. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do. You create these procedures. You grow really, really quickly. Um, that, having the right people along with learning to follow your intuition have been the biggest reasons for my success. Really great to hear your story. Good luck to you. I know you you aspire to also be a TV celebrity chef, right? You just want this to keep growing. I do. Yeah, I, I definitely never want to be just standing. Um, I like to keep moving, and my goal is definitely to change the way people look at food, at health, and at overall eating. And so, the best way to do that is, you know, to be on TV. Yeah, it's a wide reach for sure. Uh, thank you so much. Again, good to hear your story. Mila Furman, a private chef and owner of Girl and the Kitchen here in Chicago. That's Entrepreneur Friday. Still to come, a contrarian view of the financial markets. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are gaining today. Dow up 244, as we just mentioned. Let's see, uh, maybe the contrarian perspective from Mark Holbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com. Uh, so, uh, Mark, as you look at these markets, what do you think of these days from the contrarian point of view? Well, it's interesting how the market always seems to uh, to battle itself back after it hits a scary air pocket. You may recall it was just last week that we had, in fact, earlier this week, they had one of the biggest one-day drops in the market in several months, and uh, people got scared. And now here we are back at uh, new all-time highs. And what that does over time is encourage people to treat every decline as an occasion to buy the, the diff rather than as the occasion to get out. And so what that does is over time encourages too much optimism because people think, oh, every time the market goes down, it's just a great buying opportunity. And the, by definition almost, but it's true historically as well, and this is the contrarian perspective you, you ask about, is that at the final top, it'll be that everyone won't believe it because they'll say, oh, that's just another buying opportunity, and it'll bring us all down with it. So that's sort of the general pattern. And so moving forward, if you, if you want to be that, that contrarian and approach the markets that way, uh, what do you do, especially given uncertainty? We're still not sure about interest rates, still not sure about inflation, still not sure about how COVID is going to impact things as, as we're starting to get some crackdowns again. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you're trying to put a lump sum of mark, uh, of money into the market, they often, advisors will often recommend that you dollar cost average, which is to say that you take and break your, your lump sum into equal size buckets and put a bucket in every month or every quarter on a very, you know, automatic schedule. And I think you do the reverse of dollar cost average on your way out. So every time the market uh, hits some preset limit or a preset time limit and say, okay, now the market, uh, you know, is, is giving us an opportunity to get out at high prices, you take a little bit of money off the table. So the nice thing about that is you're not doing it in an all or nothing sort of way. And so let's say you take a little money out of the market today because the market's in an all time high. It's a gift that we're given, basically. And the market keeps going and you say, well, oh, good, we'll be able to still make some money on the, bar- the amount that's still in the market <clears throat> if the market goes down. Well, then you're glad that you took a little money out. And so it's a way of reducing your risk. I think it's probably a good reminder because a lot of people think it's either all or nothing. You're either all in the market or you pull it all out. And that's not really the way to handle your investments. Absolutely. That's such a good way of putting it is that we we really do not. The, the people who claim that they can get out of the market at the top are just lying and because uh, no one consistently could do that. And I can tell you that on the basis of rigorously tracking investment newsletter performance for the last 40 some years is that even the people who do well in a particular calling of a top, they don't do so well at the next top. And so I'd say that uh, rather than uh, have that pipe dream that you're going to be able to get out at the top is that you you sort of leg into the market when you want to get in and you leg out of the market at the top. And, uh, you know, you're not going to be all right, but you won't be all wrong either. Thanks so much. Good insight from Mark Holbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com. You'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.